Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Keith. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's the weather in Ohio is actually getting to be not miserable for the first time this year, really. Besides, like the random days of 70 degree weather we had in January. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's almost May. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's coming uh, up. No house. Yep. Yep. I've been reading a book. It's been interesting. Uh, this is deep work, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like two book, like. The other book that's like changed the way I work is um, Getting Real by 37 Signals that I read like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then this book kind of has, feels like it has like, is going to have a similar impact on like how I work. And I've just been really loving it. Uh, It's, and it actually may cause some changes like with how I use the Pomodoro technique um, a little bit. Um, which is interesting for chronic. So gotcha. it's all coming full circle, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know in the book he talks about, uh, depending on kind of what your job is, you should have longer stints of work. Cause I think his, do you know the backstory of Cal Newport? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, a mathematician or something like that. Uh, no, he actually is a computer science professor. Um, yeah. I saw, I listened to him on a recent podcast and well actually it wasn't recent but i think last december and he talked about how he does um statistical analysis all day so that might be related to his computer science job but gotcha yeah he uh got a uh, he has like a phd in computer science from mit i think i know in his book he talks a lot about computer science and computer science people yeah and so I, I knew he was familiar with the job his previous book is called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Correct. That book is fantastic. It's one of my favorite books. In fact, I have I put a resources pages on Coder Journey, and these two books are two of the like three non-programming books that I put up there because they're just that good for kind of thinking about things. And the previous book, he was kind of in the situation where he was going to finish his PhD, and he was like, now what do I want to do? Like, what am I going to do at this point? How do I know what's going on? And then he did a bunch of, he basically did research to try to figure out what makes people good at their jobs and what makes people enjoy what they do. And hmm. he was sort of trying to figure out if the follow your passion is the good idea or if that's like actually bad advice. And what his conclusion was is you should do what you're good at. And then continue to get good at it and you can leverage some things to to make yourself have a kind of a job you enjoy more. You can you can trade in your expertise for more uh, autonomy, which more autonomy will make you feel better about what you're doing. Like you'll feel like you're more in control and that's kind of better. So his grand thing that he kind of figured out going through and studying people, DHH is actually one of his example cases in that book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is yeah. that, uh, yeah, you should just be really freaking good at something. And then that'll turn into a job that you probably like. So it was kind of an interesting one to go through because it was like, it's totally the, uh, just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean it's the thing you should do. And so that was kind of an eye-opening thing before. But deep work is really cool in the art of like how to actually get things done. And he studies like monks and stuff too, which is pretty neat. Yeah. It's um I wanted to listen to it because or I wanted to read it because of that podcast I listened to. And mm-hmm. uh it just it just spoke to me because I don't feel I'm pr- as productive as like I used to be. Uh like when I was probably about five or six years ago. I just don't feel as productive. 
And I know the reasons kind of why, like I don't really work in the ideal environments. Um, I don't have a place to work, although that's now changing. And finally, my basement is finally getting scheduled to be complete mm-hmm. um, next week or so. So that'll be awesome. I'll have my own space again in my house. And I, I you know, I opened a co-working space and that's just not conducive for, for work. Well, that type of co-working space isn't. So I haven't been really like in a deep, work kind of state for a couple of years. And I just feel like that's about to change and I'm pretty excited about it. So cool. Yeah. I've been really enjoying that book. I'm almost done. I'm about halfway done with it. I've been listening to it on audible. Um, or else I would never finish a book because I don't really make time to sit down and read a book. So I do it when I'm doing other things. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been, it's been really, really good. So that's awesome that you're are you reading it again or did you read it before i've read it before it is currently sitting on my desk right now but i have not cracked it open yet yeah Yeah. that seems like a book that i would read again so yeah there i have i have a ton of different books like this in in particular that are really good like i love self-helpy kind of books or books that make you think about thinking is kind of the way or being Mm -hmm. better at what you're doing and so yeah this one is really good uh some other really, really good ones are, have you ever read the book Mindset? Nope. Yeah, that one, add that one to your list. That one Mindset. actually changed your world uh, in terms of like parenting and stuff too. It does some interesting things where you realize like psychologically some of the things that we do around people who are younger than us and uh, is kind of detrimental. And we sort of, you know, instilling kids this idea that like they're kind of all they're ever going to be and like if they get a bad grade it's because they're not as smart as the other kids like that kind of thing (laughs) and it talks about like from a like it's written by a psychologist who did a bunch of studies on this stuff to figure out how your mindset like changes how you actually go about doing things and the challenges that you take and the odds of your success and stuff like that so that one that one's a really good one too awesome on my list i'll also put these in the uh in the show notes Ah, cool. Do you have any other recommendations? Um, let me look. I'm kind of looking at my bookshelf behind me right there. I've got so that one's good. Um, uh, how to win friends and influence people is really good. Also, um, loves of the Manson family. That's fine though. Also, what? Uh, very influential in the uh, Manson chart with Charlie Manson as well. Oh, so. gotcha. Drive by Daniel Pink is really good. Yeah, I started reading that one. I haven't. I didn't finish. Reading that book was the impetus for me finding a different job in my previous situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that one's kind awesome. of helpful too. But, yeah, what else you got going on? Um, Quite a bit. Uh, so, last week, um, last sprint, I kind of worked on uh, Tetsu. I wanted to get the UI uh, for the asynchronous stand-ups done. It's pretty much done. I haven't pushed it, though. I was scrambling to push it today, but that didn't work out. So it'll be pushed to, you know, after we record this uh, pretty quickly. And then I'll reach out to the other, other people to start using it. I'm pretty excited to finally get this kind of off and out. Yeah. One of the things I'm going to do with that, I've been in talks with um, John Newmaker. I tweeted about uh, he's creating like a, a cloud hosted flipper platform where you can kind of uh, put your features in the cloud and, and, and use kind of a web interface to, to change like uh, feature flipping for, for mm-hmm. different groups and stuff. And right now, the way I do that is I use Flipper, but I use, you know, I have to make a, I 
I created a kind of a temporary database table and it's, it's not really as robust as I want. Um, I also sometimes need to make a, a coding change. So in the process of deploying this asynchronous feature, I'm going to also move over to the uh, Flipper cloud platform and okay. give, give him some feedback on that. Um, he's kind of not, not giving me any instructions, just like, Hey, go and do it and try to figure it out and let me know what the rough patches are. So mm-hmm. that'll be cool. So I've been really working on Tattoo, and then I also have been really working on my talk, uh, the workshop that we have to give in a few, well, about a month from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished the API, which is good. Uh, so I basically finished my end of the application. Uh, we're scheduling like a local workshop to kind of test oh, that cool. out. And it looks like it's going to be like the weekend of the May 20th. So either May 19th or May 20th. So we're kind of trying to find a space for that and, and and get that all nailed down. Okay. So that'll be cool. I think it, what do you think? I, I'm thinking, uh, so I want this to basically be free. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, it's kind of a test bed and, you know, I don't want to charge people. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about charging people like $20 because I feel when things are free, People sign up for them and then don't and then show don't up. don't show up. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good idea and charge up front. And it could be one of those things like if you really want it to be free. I mean, oh, crap. If I say what I'm about to say, then they could listen to this podcast and get around it. But you could honestly give the money back. Like, <laughs> right. just just charge to so, like so that they have a little bit of skin in the game. Yeah. And then go from there. That's a good point. We could also use it just to pay for their food. Yeah, that that's it too. Because depending on where your venue is, you guys could go out to right. eat or whatever. But then you do have that thing where then people go to different restaurants and different wait oh, times going out to eat. and that's stuff a good like idea, that. Actually, that's a good idea. Yeah, maybe we will charge, give their money back, and go out to eat, and then everybody's kind of on their own. That's a good idea. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and the other thing that we're working on for that is like a website to kind of explain what the workshop is about, what the app is about. So there's some branding stuff. Um, Sweet. We're doing kind of like an 80s theme for the app because uh, it's built kind of off of a movie in the 80s. So Okay. Nice. Uh, that's coming. 80s are coming back, though, so you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But um, the uh, – yeah, so we're, we've got kind of a logo. We've uh, I looked up uh, – I wanted more lasers in the application. So mm-hmm. in the background, I wanted some some more lasers. And uh, a colleague of mine pointed me to uh, Hive, uh, some some site from Invanto or in- Invanto, gotcha. you know that's like, yeah, I know. You're anyway, they have um, they have like you know, free video like post production type of video stuff. Yeah, and there's like an '80s theme. There's a bunch of '80s theme stuff. So I think we're going to use that and just nice use that for the background of the mobile app and, and the website <laughs> stuff. So that'll be cool. So those are kind of the the other things I've been doing. And then with Chronic, uh, you and I paired a bit on Chronic. Yep. Um, trying to figure out the workflow stuff. And we've I think we came up with a pretty good little architecture to make Chronic pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not just using it for the Pomodoro technique, but being able to use it for, you know, with integrations and different different um, combinations that people want. Like maybe they just want to set a single timer. Maybe they want to, you know, do a deep work sort of flow where there's longer break time or, you know, less break times, longer work times type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we kind of sat down, paired a little bit, 
right? Came up with like what we thought was a good architecture. And then we kind of uh, TDD'd it out a little bit to, to, to see how things would, would work. Yeah. I came out of that much more confident in what we were doing, especially since yes. that's what I had been working on and the live streams that I had done the previous couple of weeks. I was kind of just floundering with like, man, I don't exactly know how I want to do this. And since it's not just my project, like I felt would have felt really bad just floundering forever on that, you know, like being like, oh, I can hack something together that'll kind of work. But it's since this is both of ours, I didn't want to make that decision unilaterally. Right. And plus, like creating a web, uh, like a PR that's like, hey, this is what I came up with. And I was like, well, I was thinking this. And then we totally waste time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I'm glad we sat down and kind of did that. Um, we paired a little bit last week on implementing that. So I didn't get to the uh, start and stop of the web interface that I wanted to, uh, mostly because the talk I'm working on is taking up a lot of time. So mm-hmm. uh, my plan is to to work on that next week. So that's what my uh, last. I didn't launch the company that I'm working on. Uh, we did have a logo created. We're talking about some some content for the website so did you guys get past like the blockers that you guys had now you're just working on um some of the final touches or is it still a ways out that you guys can launch yeah it's i mean yeah there's the blockers are in terms of like time and organization and i feel like we're not organized uh like the way we should be as a team right now And it's mostly because we've all been working on kind of other client stuff. So I, I'm actually going to stop talking about the company on this podcast until something happens with it. Okay. Just because it's kind of just drudgery work right now. That's keeping us from launching. So, so it's coming along. It's going good. So that's all I got, man. How was your last, uh, last sprint? Uh, well, mine was not super eventful. I didn't really live stream very much. I think I did like one or two days, uh, last week and then none this most recent week of the, the sprint. Why, why do you think that is? Oh, honestly, the reason for that is because I was, uh, working on Elixir stuff by myself just, uh, because I wanted to. And I, I was having a little bit of a, I felt really bad with how poorly I was doing. And you and I had talked about this. Like, I just felt bad about how little I remembered about the language when I was streaming, working with Elixir stuff. So I spent uh, a good portion of time basically just doing like exercises more or less in my mind of like how to, how to go about doing some things. I built an API wrapper for like an API in Elixir just to kind of work on some things because last thing I wanted to do was kind of, I don't know, struggle so bad working on chronic and then be mad at chronic because it was the project that was like the one that I was floundering to go through Mm -hmm. again. So yeah. yeah. What'd you use for that? What'd you use for the, did you use a library for wrapping the API or just use straight? I used uh, HTT poison, which is like one of the standard, um, libraries there but yeah that's there's that one which is based on hackney which is an erlang library and then there's another one called htt what is it htt potion and that one's based on like the other big erlang uh h like web client so yeah i used that and that was interesting so like that made it really easy to do and i learned a little bit about writing macros and stuff and ended up coming up with a thing to where i can add like api endpoints for this particular api like really rapidly with basically just like a single function call and a couple parameters which is pretty neat uh 
but I got an open source out at all. Uh, it's actually already open source, but uh, I accidentally screwed up and committed my API key and I haven't removed it from the history yet. So thankfully, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I need to go. I want to fix that before we publish. Exactly. I'll, I'll get it fixed before Tuesday, but uh, yeah, so that that'll be out there. And maybe I'll add a link to the show notes after the fact and somebody can go find that. But yeah, so did that. Basically just learning a bunch of Elixir. Uh, you and I sat down on two separate occasions. and we One of them, we literally sat down for like an hour and a half and we just talked architecture. And like, uh, like I guess we were discussing the merits of two different approaches that we had uh, going into it. And then we ended up coming out with kind of a... Uh, hybrid of the two mostly um the big question was like what goes in the database and what is like a process and you know this and that and then we kind of we were pushing back on like i thought we could have like polymorphism for some things and you had the idea of like integrations and life cycle events and stuff and we ended up as we kind of hashed that out we came came over to i thought the life cycle events was a really good idea and it removed the need for the complexity that would have came from my idea of like everything being a workflow step type or whatever mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm i'm pretty happy with what we came up with and then yesterday you and i paired a little bit on some implementation of it and figured out kind of how we're going to structure some things and now we actually just kind of have to hook into the life cycle events and uh right and the timer so it's actually a lot closer than i thought it was going to be after us just having one um implementation kind of session on it so that was pretty cool yeah i feel like um we're really close to like well we'd have to wrap it in an api but then we can you know put it on our interfaces that we're each working on i think that might be the next step it has a since it has the same like life cycle events as a system timer because the timer is going to mm-hmm. be core to like every step of a workflow. Mm-hmm. I think it'll mm-hmm. actually be pretty easy for us to kind of just sub in for yep. the um the API the WebSocket API like everywhere we were using yep. timer before we can kind of just sub in workflow and then it's going to be the yep. controls the timer that's going to be nice. We will have to add the external API which you and I were talking about using GraphQL to pull down the Mm -hmm. metadata for a workflow so you can get like what the name of the template is. So like what all the steps are, the duration of each step in a template or workflow. And so we still have to work on that, but Absinthe is super fast for doing these things, Uh, creating GraphQL APIs. If you haven't messed with that yet, it's pretty sweet. I've been working on another project um, and we're implementing the JSON API spec. Yeah. And um, my God, (laughs) <laughs> like the, we have so many problems with like nesting and relationships and and not really a problem it's just kind of on the client it's hard to like get to those things especially when you have like nested things inside nested things yep which we have like one little portion of our app that's um has like three layers deep mm-hmm. that's the most complicated one and just the code to like traverse through that is is such a pain in the butt so we're actually spiking something to to move over to use graph and graphql so i'm pretty excited about using i i kind of feel like graphql should be used everywhere now because it's it's so versatile and yeah you, you can like shape it the way your clients want it to be shaped rather than creating some crappy api architecture I think it's probably overkill if you're writing something that is excessively small, like just a really, really small toy project, then I think GraphQL might be overboard. But the problem is, is it's so fast to develop too. Like once you get the hang of working with a schema, it's pretty quick. And the fact that you can like test it really fast. Like, are you guys using GraphQL? 
No, we're using, uh, well, we haven't spiked it out yet. Okay. Well, we're using, this is for Ruby. Yes. So it's not. So if you use yeah. the Ruby GraphQL library, I implemented a GraphQL API on top of like a pretty complicated HTTP API, like as a separate thing. I did it for like a pretty large application in like four hours. And uh, that's like with tests and stuff too. Yeah. So like, and the other thing I like about the Ruby GraphQL is it comes with like uh, an explorer, like an API explorer, like Facebook's, and like documentation comes along for free as well. Yeah. So that that uh, API explorer that's called Graphical. Uh, that's okay, the name of that it. tool. It's a different open source tool, but yeah, it just sits in on top of it. And you can be like, okay, so this is exactly what I'm going to need to do, and you can go in there and spike out what you need your request to look like. So you can be like, okay, this is. Um, ah, oh crap. I can't remember the name of them now. Cause it's not request like mutations. When you change something, I don't remember what the, mm-hmm. uh, what's the other version. Like if it's like a get request, I don't remember what that's called. The query. Ah, oh, there it is. Query. Thank you. Yeah. So query you, mutations and subscriptions are really the three, right? Yeah. It's been a while since I've actually worked on this, but yeah, you like, you can go and figure out what your query needs to be before you ever work on your front end at all. Like on exactly. implementing something That's that needs it. And then you can drag that in, especially if you're using something like Apollo, which is a really cool yes. JavaScript GraphQL API. Yeah. It's well, they have Apollo for they have Apollo for all like major platforms. So they have it for Android, React, oh, uh, gotcha. iOS. So that's the other reason why I like it. And that's why I'm like, when you said if you need something that's that's quick. I feel like it's quick for both sides, both the producer, both the server and the client. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's so many client libraries now that, it's, that in order to consume that API might be quicker to use a GraphQL than some a GraphQL library than just some, you know, custom library that you have to build. Yeah, I can totally get behind that. And it's pretty, I mean, it's nice to to work with. I've I've really enjoyed messing around with it. I'm... I kind of, so with my API client thing that I'm working on, I'm, I want to build out like kind of a like stats dashboard for this game that I'm like, it's for a game that I play um, that has a mm-hmm. lot of mathematics like behind it. There's a lot of statistics and stuff that you could use with it. And I want to have like kind of a little dashboard that can do some, some nifty things with all that the statistics. <laughs> awesome. And what I want to do is I want to have, you know, Elixir and uh, a Phoenix app probably manage a bunch of like doing the math behind the scenes. But then I want to have a GraphQL API that can punt that off to an elm front end because i think elm is pretty fun to play with so uh that's that's kind of like a toy project that i'm working on on the site and i'm just like really excited to work with it because like elixir is fun and graphql makes me feel so productive when i'm messing with it and then uh, mm-hmm. elm slows me down a little bit until i hang of like writing the types and stuff but once you get that down right. it's like really fast and you don't have to like go and refresh your browser to see that things are working because if it compiles you're probably good to go that's awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, other than that, though, I guess I've been I'm allowed to talk about this from but like from a work standpoint, I'm like invested in chef a lot right now. So I've been just doing a lot of a lot of chef stuff. And uh, yeah, for my next two weeks, I'm going to continue working on the workflow implementation, um, probably just the Elixir side of things, which I think we're pretty close on. Like just before we hopped on the call today, I kind of implemented the state machine for going through and changing things. It doesn't interact with like lifecycle events, but you can like convert from one thing to another. And then we just need to add some hooks inside of those uh, callback methods. What do you mean convert? 
convert from one thing um, to another? So we have this state machine, what? like you have a workflow that is a status of not running versus running versus canceled versus um, gotcha. paused or whatever. So I this morning I implemented all the conversions from those things. And I was thinking about it like, have you ever used, you've used like act as state machine for Ruby before probably? Yeah. Or whatever use, the other um, one is. For Tetsu, yeah. The, the big, uh, yeah. Anyway, but, Tetsu is basically just a giant state machine. Yeah. But in those, like a lot of times in Rubyland, you would define it in like, okay, if I'm in this state or this state, I can transition into this other state. And so I wanted to be like, okay, how can I do that in Elixir? Pattern matching is how you do that in Elixir. You just have multiple versions of the same function that <laughs> say like, oh, if pattern match on status is this token and you're good to go. So yeah, that, that's what I did this morning. It was it was pretty quick. Like it took me probably 30 minutes to write all the tests I needed and do the implementation of it. But awesome. yeah, I mean, it doesn't do any like complicated business logic, but it's uh, it was nice when I was like, oh, I can just, you know, pattern match on the actual status within the state object right now and I'll be good to go. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm loving Elixir, man. I am loving working with Elixir. Yeah, it's very fun. And once I, there are a couple things I want to change. Uh, like, have you ever seen Alchemy or Alchemist for Vim? Yes. Uh, I got it running once. It was kind of complicated to get running. Mm-hmm. But when I had it, I was like, yeah, this is sweet. I can look up like it gives me all the like uh, methods on these mo- or functions on these modules and can give me some sweet autocompletion stuff. And yeah. I've only seen videos. It's of pretty it. neat, but it was a little yes. complicated for me to get set up. And this was a while back. So I think I might uh, spend a little time this weekend and get that done. Yeah. Nice. Great. Yeah. My next two weeks are a lot of heads down on, on finishing that talk. Um, and then chronic is really my, my main focus. So, um, it'll be, it'll be neat to, to work a lot on that for the next few weeks. Agreed. But my goal is to, to, to do the start and stop of the timer on chronic and, uh, get our API and workflow stuff, uh, the back end done at least, and then maybe even integrate it into the front end. And then we almost have a kind of a working timer that we can use. I feel like. Yeah. So, like right now we have a working timer, uh, but the timer doesn't right. do much beyond that. Like I could just use the timer on my phone. Right. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, once we get this implemented to where we can, I mean, just if it's one of those things where I can do a Pomodoro that is like work for 25, take a break for five or repeat yourself. That'll be pretty sweet. And I don't think we're that far right. off from having that working. Yeah. Do you think we could get that? Uh, probably not implemented. Probably not the entire I thing. Like, I think we can get the back end for it done yeah. easily. Right. Correct. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Uh, yeah. The only other thing I think uh, I want you to hold me accountable to is I want to stream at least twice per week for the next, you know, between now and our next recording. Because I did feel a little bad, like I didn't stream at all this week. But I'm like, now I'm feeling more comfortable yeah. with the language and I think I can should be able to do it. And I have the time. Remember, remember what I said about the daily thing? Hey, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I realized daily was a stretch, which is why I said most days. But then I didn't realize I was going to have imposter syndrome punch me in the face for not knowing the language well enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. We talked about it last time. But yeah, I will hold you accountable for that. Actually, if by Thursday I don't see anything on your channel, I'll uh, I'll ping you and say, yo, dude, what's what's that? You know, you're going to record tomorrow and that Friday? sounds great. And I'm going to actually go and release these. I only released my one uh, like VOD for this. And yeah, I I need to go and like for these next ones, I'll actually be able to to go through and 
do that. It just takes time to kind of add that stuff. And I, have, I haven't worked out my automated process for it yet. And I might be able to write like an automator script on Mac to where I can just drag the file over and get it to do what I need it to do. Yeah, that's I, I do like them on uh, YouTube because if I don't catch you in the morning, I have other subscriptions on YouTube that I watch. So <clears> it's nice to like see that little, you know, one next to cutter journey and I watch them there. Nice. So. That'd be, that'd oh, be I cool. broke 7,000 subscribers on YouTube the other day. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. We're, we're pretty close, man. Getting close to the uh, 10,000 mark, which in, yeah, dude, in terms awesome. of YouTube standards, right? Like, it's not like YouTube's going to send me anything. I think at 100,000, they send you like a silver, like framed yeah. play button. Play, uh, play button. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, my goal is to reach 10,000 by the two year anniversary of uh, Coder Journey, which is January 31st. Where do you know why you got like where these subscribers are coming from? Um, I mean, no, not particularly. I haven't really looked at my stats on that stuff for a while. I'm kind of surprised that like it continues to go up since I haven't really released anything in like six months. But most of my traffic it comes from either the React series that I did or the Kubernetes content that I did. So those are my two big nice. winners on that one. Uh, and most of the traffic, like legitimately, probably 40% of my traffic goes to a single video about Kubernetes, which is kind of depressing. But uh, people really like that five minute video explaining how Kubernetes works. So that's yeah. I mean, that's that's also helpful in that, you know, you just make a single video that is very helpful to people and you'll you can easily get more traffic. Yeah, so. like that video has that's I don't know, probably 160,000 views at this point. And yeah, it it, every day it gets, you know, probably another four or 500 views, something like that. Like it, it gets quite a bit of traffic, which is why I want to pivot kind of the content that I create on the channel to be more of that style content. We know, I know that kind of content works. I actually think it's kind of fun to make that sort of content. It was like, I mean, it's basically a keynote (laughs) file with some animations and some like diagramming kind of things to explain things. And people seem to like it. Some burn animations. Some burn animations. What? No, yeah, that's what I knew. I should go just straight GeoCities f- for a moment, like blinking and stuff. But <laughs> no, it's a uh, mostly uh, the this is a trick to uh, good looking presentations with Keynote is you just use uh, what is it Magic Move between slides. No, and it don't looks, use Magic. Dude, no, we're cut that out. Cut that have out. Have you ever used? We're not using. Have you ever like really messed have with I, it? Yes. 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 I think it's pretty good. But anywho, this is us talking weird shop here. But (laughs) I will talk to you in two weeks. And we're going to get a lot of stuff done in this next two weeks. So it's going to be pretty sweet. Cool, man. Later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.